Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and business as well. Do you know, Critic, I got Mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk and some real good food too. Mm -hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. A why watch that sneak peek? Oh my goodness, we got a sneak peek. Uh-oh. We've got a sneak peek. We've got two sneak peeks. Yes, from whom? Netflix. Ooh, oh. Oh. you listen. Shh. Oh, quiet. We can't tell anybody, but we're oh. telling you listeners. Critic got a chance to take a look at the letter for the king, <laughs> as well as self-made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker. Shh! He's going to tell us all about it. But listen, we can't really get into some of the details. All we know is both of these are coming at you real quick on the 20th. Yes! The letter from the king is... I don't even it's is it what is it is it lord of the rings meets game of thrones meets king arthur meets i'm not sure you're yeah. going to tell us mm-hmm. all about that this comes to us um adapted by william davies he's the showrunner there he's also a producer it is based on um i this person is dutch and i will flub up the name mm-hmm. but tonk i'm gonna say tonk with a k- um <laughs> Uh, Drat is the uh, author, something like that. And I don't know much of the cast, but I believe if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, David Winham, Win, uh, uh, Winham is uh, in this m- series and he was in Lord of the Rings, the first one. He was the guy who betrayed and set off the sets of events and things like that so they are bringing in someone who's used to the language and used to the time period and and kind of doing a period piece now Mm -hmm. this is only six episodes so it's not like a huge commitment and you don't usually get that from netflix anyway especially if they're doing something like this this high budget the question is what is this about it's a period piece does it work and if we like it, how, what show is best suited for those who like this show? So if we mm-hmm. like such and such, will we like the letter for the king? And mm-hmm. who is the king? That's the question. Well, you know who the king is. 
The real question is, what's the letter? Oh. Mm. Now, this is a handwritten letter. <laughs> it's not like a letter in the alphabet, but. <laughs> a letter, yes, just. <laughs> that would be funny. Just the case. Okay, now, we have Churi. He's the lead character. He's 16 years old. He wants to be a knight, or does he? Now, his father, played by David, as you mentioned, does. But this is not his biological father. So let me set up the world so you understand. There are three countries. Two are in the north. One is in the south. Okay? And it kind of plays the way you think. I'll just say it. The black people in the south. Mm-hmm. Oh. Turi's from the south. So is his mother. They escaped the south after his father was killed, who was a shaman, and went to the north. Okay. And this is when David Wenham took them in, did a great job of all of that. So there is some racial politics going on here. Yeah. So while this does have that period kind of element, it's fantasy period. And Ref, what you have to think is, it's a fantasy show that seems anachronistic that handles contemporary themes. So keep that in mind. All right. So he wants to be this knight. He's not really great at it. There's this whole thing they have to go through to become a knight. All of the teens are doing it. Everybody else is better, but Turi keeps advancing. Why? And he's resented for this. So he finally makes it to the end, the final stage. And when this happens, while they're in a particular setting, just the teens waiting to be knights, trying to qualify, someone comes with an alarming message. Is it true or not? Turi answers the call. So he rushes out to help. And in helping, he finds that there's a wounded knight with a letter, the letter for the king. Turi has to take it to the king on the knight's horse. Now, there are this group of fiends called the Red Riders. And they are on the prowl of this knight. They want that letter. Why? They don't want it to get to the king. Why? Now, the king has two sons, two princes. The older prince will accede the throne. The younger one, he has other plans for to accede another throne. Now, the younger one is out fighting, and he has developed these powers, and they seem to be evil. It's scary stuff. And there's a prophecy that there is someone who would be scary to him that's waiting to stop the dark. So there's someone with the power of the light. Who is that? Is it Turi? I won't tell you. So I'll say this. We see that Turi is special. I'll put it that way. Okay. So this prince, this dark prince is going around in that Southern land trying to stop all of the shamans because he knows what this prophecy is. But this prince really goes, but I'm not really the dark one. I'm the one who's gonna save humanity. I'm the one who's coming from the light. I need to stop the person who's out here from the dark. Is that true? So in the end, Churi goes through all kinds of things. He meets all kinds of people. He meets um, a certain companion who's very special to him. And she kinds of shows him the ropes to things, both good and bad. 
So there's this love story that blossoms and all other kinds of stuff. But in the end, the question is, does the letter get to the king? And what does that mean? And uh, what's actually going on when we finally get this clash of good versus evil? Who's good? Who's evil? Is there a little of both in everybody? I won't tell you. Now, watching this, Ref, you immediately think of King Arthur. Oh. So when you see it, that's what it looks like. That's kind of the feel. We have Turi. There isn't a sword in the stone, but there is some powers. Is he going to actually figure out how to use the powers? Who in the world is the Merlin in this story? Maybe there is no Merlin. Maybe there are multiple Merlins. Maybe there are Merlins you don't expect. Like it's things like that that they're playing around with uh, in this show. Um, now, the thing is, I mentioned that they do handle contemporary themes. So if you're thinking, who should watch this? Is this a show for kids? That depends on the parent. So I would be careful there because these are teen children. They're not children children. Okay, good. So you got to keep that in mind. Now, they don't go crazy with it, but they don't hold back in all circumstances. Okay? So just be careful with that. It is about teens. I'll put it that way. Because it's, it's like this. Um, if you think of The Sword and the Stone, which I love, the animated classic, if you grow Arthur up to a teen and you make it CGI and all of that, that's kind of what you get here. Is it completely consistent? No. I enjoyed it when it was about the fantasy, when it had that tension, when it wasn't, when it was about developing things and kind of doing teen stuff. I was kind of like, okay, next. But I did keep watching. I did watch all of it. And if it comes to a second season, I'll probably check it out to see how I feel about it. So that's what I have to say about The Letter for the King uh, and what's next. Well, Self Made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker, mm. is also on Netflix and will be available for all on the 20th. It's only four episodes, so it's not like, you know, you were really doing a deep dive into this most famous woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, a person, not even just woman. She was the first female millionaire. Mm -hmm. Self-made. Self mm -hmm. Self-made millionaire. This isn't yeah. someone who got any kind of trust fund. She did them hair products that we are still using today. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she popularized the Preston code. Yes, she did, and many of us are thankful for it. <laughs> um, now, this comes to us from uh, Kazi Lemons. She, oh, she's direct. She's one of the directors. Um, she did most of them, actually, mm -hmm. uh, most right. of the directing there. And you know, it's written by just two people. Um, and it's this, but the cast is really why we're going to watch this because you have Octavia Spencer making her way to television. Now we haven't quite seen her. Um, do a Netflix kind of, you know, deep dive four episode kind of thing. So we're super excited about having the Oscar winner there. But not only that, she brought some friends along. Can you believe Tiffany Haddish is also in this? No. How can she not be on the poster? She's usually on the poster of everything. <laughs> we have uh, Garrett Morris. Yes. Who I didn't even know he, he was still um acting actively yes. so he's in it blair underwood is is here bill bellamy what bill bellamy yes the bill bellamy we all know and 
the beloved Carmen um, Ijogo is also making her appearance along with a ton of other people that you're going to talk about. Now, remember, this is not, um, this is Netflix, something that you should keep in mind when watching this. We'll just say that. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's essentially um, telling the story of Madam C.J. Walker starting with uh, when she had her own issues with her hair. So she's married to a man who's abusive. Um, she has a daughter who's grown, played by Tiffany Haddish. Which is yes. so weird. That's so Tiffany strange. Haddish is playing Octavia Spencer's biological daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is a big problem for her. And what happens is one day, uh, you know, she's really down and out. It's, it's about to be over. A little knock comes on her door. And who's there? It's Carmen Jogo's character, Addie. And Addie has this wonderful product for hair that will help her to grow her hair. The woman is going bald. And make her look like Addie. Now, keep in mind, this is the, at the, just after the turn of the 20th century. So when it comes to black folk, the lighter the skin, the easier the life. So Addie is the light-skinned person here saying, hey, I can make you look like me. Mm -hmm. And her name is Sarah Breedlove. Okay, so it's not Madam C.J. Walker yet. Now, this miracle hair growth thing that Addie gives her works. It works. Addie nurses her hair back to health, rejuvenates her spirit, all of that. As a result, Sarah's like, look, Addie, I can sell your product with you. Let's go into business together. I have all these ideas. Addie's like, hold on. Um, you are not the person who's going to be the look of my company. No, 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 no. You are not appropriate. Okay? So sit down. Uh-oh. Now, what does Sarah do in response? Well, she decides that I'm going to come up with my own and I'm going to sell it because I know what black women need. Black women don't need to be told that they need to be light-skinned with all of this great hair. They can be who they are and have great hair, and w- which will raise their prospects. So we know this works. The woman became a millionaire. But we see her start from humble beginnings. She leaves that husband. She meets a new one, played by Blair Underwood. Oh, okay. And he is C.J. Walker. Okay. He supports his wife. So they grow this business together. But it's really all about Sarah. She is so deep into it. She has ideas. She wants things to be done and so on and so forth. She's the engine in this company. But how is that going to make her husband, CJ, feel? Okay, it's the 1910s. All right. Does a man want to be out-earned by his wife? A black man? Hmm. So you can imagine what complications come of that. Now, her daughter, played by Tiffany Haddish, well, Sarah wants her to take over the company. And not just that, Sarah wants her to have heirs to the company. So, you know, her daughter, uh, Lelia, does marry 
Uh, but does that go well? Now she marries a man that Sarah didn't like. Okay. And this man knows it. <laughs> okay. And when he gets involved in the company, what happens as a result? Because as Sarah grows as a businesswoman and she actually moves, what about Addie? Addie's like, you stole my business. Addie follows Sarah <laughs> and to be her competitor. I mean, this is crazy. So in the end, who actually wins? Does Addie also become a millionaire? And what are the things that are driving Addie herself? That's another question. So in the end, the whole thing is, how does Sarah actually become Madam C.J. Walker? How does she actually negotiate all of the pitfalls that happen to her? There's always something that gets in her way. She has this mega deal coming, somebody ruins it, and so on and so forth. So how does she work her way into being a millionaire and can she keep it? Now, there's one more character I want to mention played by Kevin Carroll. Now, Kevin Carroll, if you don't know him, he was Regina King's husband in The Leftovers. Wonderful actor. He plays a man named Ransom who really becomes Madam C.J. Walker's right-hand man. He would do anything for her. And he has a cousin, played by Bill Bellamy, who wants to invest in Sarah's company. But this cousin runs numbers. So would that be a good thing for Sarah? Does she know? That's a little wrinkle in the question. Now, that's enough about this. Now, let me, let me tell you this. The point of this, the reason to watch it is, if you want to understand what I was talking about, how we go from Sarah Breedlove to Madam C.J. Walker. I didn't know the ins and outs of all of this. So I, that's what I was watching. I was like, okay, how exactly did this come to pass? However, they didn't trust that story. They didn't trust that that was enough. All they had to do was tell the story and dive deeper into it. We have four episodes. Why am I learning so much about Lelia, Tiffany Haddish's character? I got it. Okay. There is something going on in her, I'll tell you that, that might cause a complication, something in her personal life. She goes to Harlem toward the end and all of this comes out. Okay. Got it, but I don't need to be in that that long because I'd rather learn more about what's going on with Sarah Breedlove. We didn't need that surface exploration if you take some of the ancillary stuff out. Hello. Also, sorry to Tiffany Haddish, she is miscast. Like, okay, so Lelia is supposed to be, of course, someone that you don't quite take seriously, but in the end, she takes over the company. That made no sense. It's Tiffany Haddish. And Tiffany Haddish, we know she can do comedy in her style, but can she do drama? Mm. Now, when it comes to Octavia Spencer in the title character, in, in the, you know, as Madam C.J. Walker, Octavia Spencer is just interesting to watch. I mean, I say this with all due respect, and I mean it sincerely, she's so weird that I can't stop watching her. Like, just as a fellow actor, I'm like, how did she have that thought? What, like, how did she come up with doing that? It's just so interesting to me to watch her that I wish they gave her more to chew on. Blair Underwood as her second husband here, they have some nice moments when the script allows it. At the end, he becomes alcoholic, all this other stuff. I was like, okay, come on now. Oh my gosh. Come on now. Carmen Jogo is trying for anything. Give her anything, she'll do it. She doesn't have much. 
<laughs> she's always there as the villain. They try to deepen it in a moment. She sells that moment. I just wish again she had more. They even have this thing in the early episodes, Raf, like the first two, where instead of just showing us more of them, we have this montage where they're in a boxing ring. I didn't need that. Casey Lemons, we didn't need that. <laughs> we did not. It didn't add to the story. It's just like we have these tangents. Garrett Morris plays Blair Underwood's father. So, you know, he was a slave. He has his stories. Garrett Morris comes out smelling like a rose. <laughs> that man was like, I will not be embarrassed, Martin. I am going to do my job here. I loved every moment he was on the screen. He saw what he was talking about. It was clear. I, they could do a show on him. Um, Kevin Carroll, love the man. Great job. Bill Bellamy is cast where he needs to be. So there we go with the cast. So here's what I'll say to all of you. Again, I mentioned if you're interested in the story of Madam C.J. Walker, it's only four episodes. You can check this out. It's not terrible. It's just not what it could have been. Uh, you see glimpses of it when they just allow the story to be what it is. And if you're thinking, if I like this, will I like that? Well, here's what I would say. If you saw Introducing Dorothy Dandridge, the HBO movie with Holly Berry, and you liked it, then I would say you can check this out. However, I will say this, Introducing Dorothy Dandridge is better on all levels. Oh, what about Bessie? Maybe something like Bessie? Maybe, maybe something like Bessie. It's just Bessie, the atmosphere that Dee Reese created in that, you don't get here. That uh, thick kind of atmosphere, it's not quite that here. Uh, but yeah, it, it's like it's like an HBO movie that turned into a Netflix miniseries. Well, yes, there you go. That mm -hmm. That's a perfect example. Now, both The Letter for the King and Self Made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker, will be available on Netflix. Netflix on the 20th. So you'll have a busy weekend, it seems like, if those are your jams. <laughs>